Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is St. Mary's School for Children with the Stigmata. Episode 3, Womanhood. A long time ago, before I got my stigmata, I remember falling in love with a little boy in my second grade class. His name was Victor, and from my hazy recollection, he was a cherub-cheeked boy with thick, curly black hair and an encyclopedic knowledge of the Jurassic era, everything you'd want from your first crush. We played together every single day at recess, laughing about whatever kids laugh about, hunting caterpillars in the schoolyard, and following the fence around the playground in search of the smoothest rocks. We'd play tag with the other kids, and as the weather got colder, we'd collect acorns that fell from the oak trees, hollowing their soft bodies out with sticks to make little beads to string on pipe cleaners. I can't exactly describe how I felt when Victor and I would play together, But it was around this time that I began to wonder what it would feel like to be a grown-up. I would daydream about going on dates with him to McDonald's, splitting the cost of the two-cheeseburger meal with the money in my pink plastic play school piggy bank. Maybe, like in the movies, we would share a drink with two straws. Did he like ketchup on his fries? I didn't, but I could pretend I did for a little while. I imagined wearing my prettiest Christmas outfit, a green crushed velvet dress with a burgundy rose pin at the collar and thick white cabled stockings. If my lips weren't already chapped red from the winter wind, I planned to borrow lipstick from my mom's makeup box and rub my wrists with a perfume sample I found in a magazine on the coffee table. I would put on this beautiful ensemble over and over again, preening in front of the sliding glass closet door mirror in my bedroom practicing what I would say. Victor, I'd ask, would you like to go to McDonald's with me? And I'd twirl beguilingly, like a grown woman does. Sometimes, when I'm skirting the edges of sleep, I'll remember spinning in front of the mirror. I can almost feel it. The rush of being dizzy. The excitement of being in love. The power of being beautiful and the perfect moment when all of those feelings lived in me at once without complication. Eventually, my parents caught on. You're growing up so fast, my mother said, tucking my strawberry hair behind my ears. She sat down on my bed and patted the place beside her, beckoning me to join her. Why don't you tell me a little bit more about the boy you like? What's his name? Victor? I nodded. Then, sensing from her tone that I'd done something wrong, I stared down at my reflection in my patent leather shoes. It's okay. You can tell me anything. But I couldn't. Even as a little girl, I knew that some things had to be kept a secret. I know sometimes these feelings can be pretty big. 
It can help to share them, you know? I clammed up even more. Okay, I understand if you don't want to tell me right now, but I want you to know that Daddy and I, well, we're not ready for you to do big girl things, like wear makeup or go on dates with boys. You're just a little girl, and we'd like for you to stay that way as long as you can. She squeezed my shoulders, got up, and left my bedroom. I stared at the mirror, suddenly self-conscious. My feelings were too big for a little girl. My outfit, too old. I looked at myself a bit longer before changing into something else. Something I can't remember. Downstairs, I could hear the familiar rumble of my parents arguing. And a few days later, at the end of a particularly bitter early January day, my uniform for an all-girls school was placed neatly at the foot of my bed. I held up the plain gray sweater to my chest as my parents looked on, proud and content. I didn't bother to look at myself. I knew what I looked like. I never saw Victor again. I don't know how long I'd been outside when the phone rang. It was probably about noon at this point, and the late spring sky was streaked with thin white clouds. I was disoriented from my nightmare, but woke up with a jolt, running my hands down my cheeks and checking my mouth. My tongue was still there. A good start. I stuck it out as far as it would go, just for fun. Sorry I had ever taken it for granted. I looked down at the phone and saw a number I didn't recognize. I let it go to voicemail, but the phone rang again, so I picked it up. Without even a hello, Inez said, You didn't text me this morning. Inez? I was worried. I sent you like 800 messages. I looked at my phone. She really did. I didn't know why. It's not like we knew each other. What happened to you? Nothing. I lied. Just what I told you. The power went out, but it looks like everything is back to normal for the time being. I stuck my tongue out again, just to make sure. Good. Sorry to have been so abrupt. It's fine. It's just... It's just what? She took a long, deliberate pause that sent my blood pressure into outer space. Remember the little girl I told you about? The twelve-year-old? Yeah. I couldn't get a hold of her, either. I tried calling this morning to see how she was doing, but no one answered. Maybe she's having a vision. You said those can knock her out for a few days, right? Yeah. Maybe. For some reason, the news made me uneasy. Without thinking, I stood up, walked back into the house, locked the door, and pulled tight the set of faded floral curtains that covered it. It didn't help. I still had a sense of being watched. I braced the door with the emergency barricade bar I kept beside it. This fucking Facebook group. I should have known. What's wrong? Nothing. I'm just locking up the house. Everything okay? Yeah, just better safe than sorry. But you are safe, right? Her question was pointless. None of us were safe, even before we came to St. Mary's. Still, I replied, mm, Probably? She laughed. <laughs> okay, well, I guess that'll have to do. So, were you just calling to check on me, or... Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so fucking weird. I actually kind of care about all the St. Mary folks I've been talking to, and I just want to make sure they don't like, die in the desert alone. Wow. That is weird. Blame it on my Catholic upbringing. Yeah, I can't relate to that at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
The other day, when we were chatting online, you mentioned that you wanted to know everything. And then as soon as we got on the phone, I basically just pumped you for information. We were both nervous. Sure, but as the organizer of this whole thing, whatever it turns out to be, my job is to make you more comfortable. So I'm really sorry about that. It's fine. Honestly, now that we're talking, I'm not even sure what to ask. Do you want me to just start at the beginning? Yeah. Let's start there. Okay. Here goes nothing. Everything she told me was so expected that it was almost mundane. Girl with stigmata secretly engages with social media to find other girls with stigmata. Girl finds said other girls, some she knows, some she doesn't, and they commiserate online about their shared fate and isolation. Some, like me, wound up relatively okay. Others, like Inez, a lot less so. So the girls band together, try to find other girls, and realize the whole thing is a clusterfuck of epic proportions and try to decide if it makes sense to go public, regardless of the consequences. I think the thing most of us regret, Inez said, was that we were deprived of the opportunity to be normal, you know? Like, to live with our parents, to go to school, to grow up, to have jobs, families, to fall in love. We want to make that right for all of us. I hesitated. I did fall in love. What? At St. Mary's. With another girl? No. With a boy. I hesitated to say his name. Timothy. Tell me about Timothy. I can't believe this. I know. I mean, how do we know he's not faking it? He's not even bleeding. It's so fucking stupid. It's like, oh, he's more humble than you. Right? It's insane. I'm totally humble. You're the humblest person I know. <laughs> no, you're the humblest person I know. And that Timothy is a loser. You two aren't being very nice. If Timothy's here, he's here for a reason. Oh, shut up, Florence. Yeah, seriously. Who even asked you? I turned away from them onto my side, facing the wall. Oh, looks like she's upset because we're picking on her little boyfriend. He's not my boyfriend. Are you sure? We saw the way you looked at him. Would you both just be quiet? I'm trying to sleep. No, no. You started it. I bet she's bleeding up a storm over there just thinking about him. Quick, turn on the flashlight. <gasps> Katrina, look at her sheets. Such a bloody mess. Oh, you're disgusting. No, you're disgusting. Where do you think you're going? I gathered up my blankets, wrapping them around myself. I'm going downstairs. Good. Your blood stinks anyway. Yeah, why don't you smell like roses like the rest of us do? Maybe because you're faking it too. You and your boyfriend. He's not my boyfriend. I slammed the door behind me and walked down the long corridor to a glass door that led to our school's prayer garden. It was a sparse, gravel-covered patio with rose hedges around it and a small wrought-iron bench in the middle. I sat down and began to cry. After what felt like hours, from the corner of my eye, I could see someone moving towards me. Timothy, what are you doing out here? You shouldn't be here. I tried to wipe my face, not wanting him to see that I'd been crying, but it only smeared the blood and tears across and down my cheeks. We're not supposed to be out here after hours. We could both get detention. 
He pulled a tissue out of his pocket and tried to wipe all the blood away. From the look on his face, I could see that he made the whole thing worse. Inez, you still there? Yeah, I was just listening. A little different from all the other stories, huh? The line went silent. Not as much as you'd think. Are you saying you had a boy at your St. Mary's, too? Not just a boy. We had a Timothy. We all did. Now it was my turn to be awkwardly silent. Hey, Florence, I, I hate to do this, but I have to jump. I told another girl I'd give her a call. Okay. Can we talk soon? When I have more information? You have my number. Sounds good. Take care. Oh, wait, Inez, before you go... Yeah? How'd you know I was in the desert? Hmm? Earlier. You said you were worried about me dying alone in the desert. Oh, that. Um, I mean, you mentioned it yesterday. Middle of nowhere desert nonsense? I think that was the phrase. I must really be letting my guard down if I told you where I live. <laughs> it's not like you gave me your address. A desert could be almost anywhere. Yeah. I guess so. I'll check in later, okay? Sounds good. Bye. I remember the phrase exactly. I never mentioned a desert. I'd just said, just some everyday normal, living in the middle of nowhere nonsense. Weird. But maybe I was overthinking it. And then the phone rang again. I didn't recognize the number. I picked up. Inez? I asked. But there was nothing but static. Then, in a whisper so quiet you almost couldn't hear it over the sound... You've been a very bad girl, Florence. Thank you for listening to this episode of St. Mary's School for Children with the Stigmata. If you enjoyed this chapter, please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. If you'd like to support this podcast so we can keep making more episodes, click the support link in the show notes. To learn more about this and all our projects, visit our website, newgirlpictures.com.